Hello and welcome to Dead by Danny, the only podcast on the internet where me, Danny, your host, watches Evil Dead 2, the 1987 film directed by Sam Raimi, every single day for a month. Uh, it comes from the great, wonderful, genius minds behind the Scooby Duo and is born out of the boredom of quarantine life. So, as of today, it is April 8th? It's the 8th? I thought it was the 7th. Well, it's already off to a bad start. We're on. It's April 8th, and I will be recording this podcast alone for the next 30 days. And every single day, I'll watch one of my all-time favorite movies, The Evil Dead 2. Now, I'm not just your typical boy. I'm not watching this movie for the first time. I haven't just seen this movie a couple times. I'm the guy with the goddamn groovy tattoo on his bicep. So, it's going to be tough. Because I worry that by the end of this film, by the end of this marathon podcast project, whatever you want to call it, I might end up not liking this movie anymore. However, I've made my decision. I've seen the po- I've seen the goddamn movie twice in the last week already before without having to record a podcast. There's been days in the past where I watched it twice in the same day. So we'll see where it goes from here. As of right now, I think it's going to be smooth sailing, which is kind of difficult because it already feels like I'm on day three, considering I've seen this movie twice in the last week. So (laughs) for that reason, um, this is going to be kind of a chill episode. Uh, I was thinking that for this episode, we just kind of talk about the Evil Dead in general, just kind of general thoughts on it and bust out some jokes here and there. Maybe do a simple spoiler-free surface-level review so that if anyone's interested in actually watching The Evil Dead 2, they can just watch it after listening to this episode rather than having to hold off on listening to the episode to watch it. I might spoil a couple of jokes, maybe, but this movie is constantly going and moving and joking throughout the entire way, so it won't be that bad. So for the most part, that means that I'm going to try to keep this first episode spoiler-free. And now that I'm recording this podcast, I I thought about it this before. It would be difficult to record a podcast with one person. I always, I generally prefer prefer podcasts with two people or more. And I have only really worked in a couple podcast environments where I have other hosts or guests on so that I can bounce off of them. I've guested on other people's podcasts that they do with two of them. And I've, I I am one of the hosts of the Scooby duo, which is currently on hiatus due to unforeseen or shall I say foreseen societal, uh, interruptions, distractions. I don't know how to say we will be trying to bring back the Scooby duo during this quarantine at some point, if we can get around to it. The last couple of weeks, I've been trying to reach out to Ryan, my co-host on my other podcast to record so that we can have something out by Tuesday. But he stuff keeps coming up personally, as well as the difficulty of having to record a podcast over the phone. But uh, that's why I've resorted to doing this podcast, Dead by Danny, the one you're listening to right now, where I watch The Evil Dead 2 every single day for a month. 
and hope that it doesn't ruin the movie for me by the end. <laughs> but yeah, I guess, I guess let's just jump into my review of the Evil Dead 2. It's kind of odd considering that I don't tend to do reviews for movies I've seen, especially movies that I've seen a lot of, you know what I mean? And maybe I should get into that. Maybe I should talk. Maybe I'm the most qualified to speak on a review of Evil Dead 2 because of how well I know the movie. But I am going to be clearly biased because I love the movie and I own it on multiple mediums. Uh, for example, my medium of choice and the one I watched on it today is my VHS copy. I have it right here in front of me. And today I watched, that is April the 8th. I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but I'm going to date them in the audio recording so that when you guys listen back to it, you can um, log my fall into insanity. And um, yeah, I really like this VHS copy that I have here. It's actually in really good condition. The box has seen better days, but it adds character. It, it, it's not the worst condition VHS box that I have, but it is the worst of the three Evil Dead films, which I own all three of them on VHS. And that's just my preferred method of watching them just because of the feeling of the movies and how they, they, they kind of feel most at place in the VCR, you know what I mean? And I watched it on my childhood television. It's a Daewoo silver cube TV. It's a four by three aspect ratio. I mean, what can you expect? Uh, I don't know if Daewoo is still a brand that makes televisions or does anything. Or I didn't. I don't really know them for anything past having grown up around this television at my parents' house with the word Daewoo on it. It it's like a D A E W O O, and uh, that's the television that I watch all my. VHS is on. I do at my apartment watch on my roommate's TV, which is the much nicer HD television, Samsung. But it is what it is. That's where I watch DVDs and Blu-rays and films and Netflix and the such. But because of this pandemic, all of the belongings from my apartment are still at my apartment and I'm stuck at my parents' house with these VHS copies and my old cube silver television. And uh, I wa and the VCR I'm watching is, I think, one that came with the television because it's also Daewoo branded, and it's also silver. And uh, popped this bad boy in, watched it, uh, had the volume. I had to go click the volume on the television. You know how it is. Uh, you know, when you're a child and you don't have a remote control and you have to walk over and hit the button on the TV. It, only, only 90s kids remember Right, I mean, if you if you haven't cringed by now, you 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 have not, you have you have you're lying, but basically I I turn the volume rocker all the way up to the L in the word volume, which is around halfway, so it's not too loud, but it, I'm sitting like three feet away from the TV, so it doesn't have to be insanely loud. In the future, I might try to wear headphones to not disturb my family, but for the first part of the film, my mother was down here. And she was cooking or something, and she was watching as well. So I decided not to wear headphones because it's always good to share the gospel of Evil Dead 2. And at some point, my father walked on through, and he saw it, and he didn't know what was going on, which is interesting because 
no matter how many times I've seen this movie, my parents are still not very familiar with it, which I just find great. Like, I have a scar on my bicep in the color black that says groovy in the font of Evil Dead 2. And yet they don't even know what the box of Evil Dead 2 looks like. You know what I mean? Which is just kind of funny to me. I think I got sidetracked in talking about how many mediums I own Evil Dead 2 in. I'm just trying to not have dead air during this podcast, especially on the first couple episodes, because I know by day 30, I'm, I'm just going to be groaning through this. But uh, aside from VHS, I normally watch the DVD copies before I bought the D- VHSs, which was actually a new purchase. I bought it a couple weeks ago because I knew I was going to be stranded at my parents' house and the only copy of Evil Dead I have that I can watch at my parents' house are the digital copies, which I own Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness digitally on my laptop. Uh, I own the DVD of Evil Dead 1, the original, and Evil Dead 2. It came in a two-pack, so it's one case with the two movies in it. And I have all three on VHS, so it's odd. So I have three VHS copies, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness. I have the two DVDs of The Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, and then I have the digital copies of Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. I surprisingly don't physically own a copy of the 2013 Evil Dead, but that's not to say that I don't like that movie because I do think, as a horror movie, that is a phenomenal, very scary movie to watch. And when I was watching all of these movies for the first time, I had no idea what to expect from the 2013 sequel, remake, soft reboot, whatever you want to call it. And when I watched it, I was pleasantly and displeasantly surprised with how horrifying it was. You know what I mean? Like, I was happy that it was good, but I was not happy because the movie is good. You know what I mean? Like it's a really good horror movie and you shouldn't be happy after you watch a really good horror movie unless it's the evil dead too, which is just a movie that I'm, I'm always happy to watch. And I, I hope if this podcast has any one takeaway, it's that by day one, I've seen um, they, technically the start date of this project, this marathon. I've seen it three times in the last week, and it still makes me happy to watch it. So I'm just going to leave that there, clip that, do whatever you want with that. I might come back to that in a week. I might come back to that. Never. But I want to just put that out on the table just in case that changes at any moment in time. But, uh, yeah, I mean... This, this film is a big impact on my life. The first major project I ever took on as a filmmaker was heavily inspired by mostly Lovecraft and his fiction. And as horrible as a person Lovecraft is, his storytelling and what he found horrifying and scary has always fascinated me and been extremely intriguing to me. All aspects of his stories. I... I I love a lot of the films that are based on his works. The good ones that are, those are like Reanimator and most recently uh, The Color Out of Space with uh, Nick Cage, which I think is just a, it's not the best movie ever made, but it's just such an experience and it's stuck with me so much. And it's so, it's made with such care from a passionate fan of the story that I just love it. 
And uh, aside from Lovecraft being a major influence on the film I made in 2019, A Short Walk Down Cherry Street, another major influence was Sam Raimi and the Evil Dead trilogy. Mostly the first Evil Dead because of how scrappy and how, uh, how creative and intuitive it was on such a low budget, but it was like effectively a scary movie. And he had such little resources. He obviously had a significantly larger budget than me and more time than me. But just seeing what he made with so little back in a time where resources were just less available, it was inspiring to me. And I love this genre of film purely because of these movies. And that's why I feel like I owe it to the Evil Dead 2 and, and Evil Dead in general and why I marked my body with it. So I guess that's my ethos on the matter, which I don't know. I feel like I have to establish that. I also think that the characters in these movies are so creative and realistic at the same time. And I think I just appreciate that because it's not very often you see in a horror flick characters make decisions that are not only funny, but also kind of realistic. Aside from Ash, who is the comedic relief and also the hero of the flick in question, the side characters like Annie and, um, you know, the, the, the gang of people that come to meet Ash in Evil Dead 2. Oh, excuse me. Bobby Joe and uh, Annie's friend, I think his name was Ed. <laughs> I mean, as as... Much as I wish I knew the characters' actual names, which I think I did get some of them, um, they do make decisions that seem rational in the world that they're in. And because of that, I, I just respect the writing of the film on another level. Aside from the writing just being so clever and funny and genuinely uh, scary at times throughout the first two films, the characters don't really make stupid decisions. I, I, I think I'm making sense when I say that. As well as, like, even though these films were uh, parodied and cloned and all these things over time that have become cliches from the original, like the, the whole Cabin in the Woods trope and the group of teenagers getting high around a campfire, like, all that stuff that's become parodied and, and, and stereotypical... Even though they started in these films, these films are the ones that do it the best. Aside from some really great homages like the film Cabin in the Woods and others like it. It's, it's just so impressive when you can go back to the origin of something and still appreciate at its core what that film is. Where, which is not something I could say with a lot of movies, you know what I mean? Like Movies like Mission Impossible have been great since the start, but... I can understand why someone can watch the first couple Mission Impossibles and not get into it because they've seen it before, you know? I still think the first Mission Impossible is a great, remarkable film, but I know a lot of people who just can't get into it because it's just not... Like, it doesn't feel new. It feels overdone. And especially with films that are ancient, that are con considered, like, you know, remarkable, best films ever made, whatever, whatever, that have been done significantly better and all the techniques that were quote-unquote pioneered in those films 
aren't that impressive to the modern eye. Films like, and I'm going to say it, Citizen Kane and all the Orson Welles flicks pretty much are fucking boring. You know what I mean? But they do have a purpose for being special in filmmaking in general. But films like Evil, The Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, much more contemporary examples than something like Citizen Kane or Touch of Evil. But they're just still great and funny. You know what I mean? And I can still watch them. And I've seen people who were not into these films, did not grow up watching it, did not, or they're not quote-unquote up their alley as they would be mine, but they still, like, love them. And people who, during this very quarantine, I've sent copies of this film to to watch and I've harassed people to watch this for a long time who ended up actually watching it and really liking it. People who I didn't think would necessarily even like it is just, it's just a testament to how good these films really are and how impactful and special they feel. You know what I mean? And I'm going to keep saying you know what I mean, even though you can't answer me. But I just want to make sure that you know that I want to know what you mean. You know what I mean? <laughs> I had to get one in there. But that also brings me to not just the characters, not just the writing, but the way this film is made physically is gorgeous. You know, it's shot well. The sounds are great. I'm going to dedicate a whole one of these episodes to the sounds of Evil Dead 2. I'm going to dedicate a whole other episode to the special effects of Evil Dead 2 because it's just that good and it's that impressive and there's just so much to go into. In these episodes, I'm aiming to do around 30 minutes each, but I can't really... I can't really stick to one thing, especially if I'm going to be going for 30 days. I think it's going to be a little bit more open-ended than that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this on just about every front, I think these movies are impressive, especially Evil Dead 2, which is the subject of this podcast and the thing I should probably stick to talking about. But, yeah, like, it, it the from the sound design being not only utilized for horror elements in the first half of the film or first third of the film, but the use of it to just kind of build the tone and the atmosphere of the cabin and the, and the quote-unquote evil dead, it, it just it evokes a feeling that there's something dreadful or there's something wrong and something mystical and supernatural about their situation. But then you go to scenes like where Ash's hand gets possessed. Spoiler alert, I guess. But that scene is really, really funny because of the sounds. Or scenes where things start to go wrong and the gags that they were able to make out of the sound effects in this film are just great. And, and, and like I said, I'll probably dedicate a whole episode to just the sounds of Evil Dead. But there's so much to dig into there. And the special effects are also... Some have not aged necessarily great, but that's to be expected. But a lot of the special effects in this have aged very, very well. Some will look like a Tim Burton movie, but others can be genuinely horrifying. Like the there's a scene in the tool shed where it's it's lit up by red lighting because one of the light bulbs gets covered in blood. And just some of the shots of practical effects, mind you, are just genuinely horrifying to watch and to look at. And 
obviously I'm, I'm not a little punk baby bitch and it's not going to send me to bed with nightmares because I'm a, I'm a grown ass man. Okay. But, uh, but I, I, I can, I can acknowledge when something's genuinely like an image is genuinely scary to look at or how impressive the switches between a decapitated head to a actual human head, which is meant to be that decapitated head acting over to like this prop version of the head where they can throw it around and shit. It's so, it's very seamless. And obviously you can tell when it changes, but the way that the special effects makeup and the special effects department really handled uh, what should and shouldn't be real and how they should do it, I feel like hasn't been done to that degree in anything else I've seen, at least. So, like, I, I still am endlessly impressed sometimes by some of these special effects. Well, a lot of the times I kind of look past the shittiness, one might say, of some of the claymation or some of the obvious uh, visual gags, for example. Like, there's a decapitation scene where the neck of the possessed being is flapping around and it obviously looks like plastic or latex or whatever, but it's meant as a joke as you know, there's the sound of a balloon deflating happening. And I think shit like that is just great. And, and quite frankly, I, I feel like there's not many films nowadays, especially who, who go for the type of humor that Sam Raimi did with this film. And that this is the type of humor I really, really love. And it's even, and, and I hate to bring it back to the whole Evil Dead trilogy, but it's humor that goes throughout all the Evil Dead movies, goes throughout all the Spider-Man movies that Raimi directed. I was planning on watching all of Raimi's filmography relatively soon, but uh, from what I have seen, it, it's it's something like Drag Me to Hell, where the this kind of tone permeates through the entire flick. Uh, and even in, in moments where the, the disgusting, horrifying nature of what's going on is genuinely upsetting and thrilling to look at, there's always like an element of gross out or there's an element of like filmmaking uh, gaggery that can be like in place. Like say there's a sound effect that doesn't match or there's a shot that's a little kooky or there's a, an expression that is a little exaggerated for comedic effect and shit like that is just great. Like my fa one of my favorite, and I'm going to say things are my favorite all the time when it comes to this movie because this movie is just a masterpiece. But one of my favorite parts is when the, uh, just the simple act of the deer mounted on the wall turning its head and laughing. That shit makes me laugh out loud every single time, including this time. I, as soon as he turned his head and started laughing, that whole sequence where everything's laughing, ugh, it's beautiful. It's just so funny. And I, 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 can't, I can't not laugh at that scene. And uh, yeah, I mean, that, this brings me to a segment that I want to do in every episode. Now, I, I feel like I have more to talk about, but I feel like if I shoot, if I blow my load now... I won't have anything for the next month. You know what I mean? I have a couple episodes that I want to dedicate to certain things in the film, but I, I, you know, I can't get to everything and I will eventually run out of ideas because I'm a very slow, very impatient, lazy boy. But, but I, I, I want to dedicate a small portion of every episode to the groovy scene. And I, I maybe want to get some sort of, audio sting for that I might just put in a clip of the part where Ash says groovy 
Because that scene in particular, as you can probably tell from the fact that I've mentioned the groovy tattoo 600 times this episode, is, is something that I, I, I love, you know what I mean? And every time he says groovy and every time he attaches that chainsaw to his arm, every time that scene comes about, I have I have some sort of reaction at least even if it's even if I'm watching the movie while cooking even if I'm watching the movie uh baked even if I'm watching the movie while doing homework this scene always always uh, this and a couple other scenes but this scene in particular always gets me and I feel like I have to have uh, I feel like I owe it to the scene to to talk about it every single episode of this podcast. And that's what this is. This is the groovy segment. So uh, on on the day of our Lord, April 8th, 2020, when the groovy scene came out, came on the television, came about, and I was watching it, I, I let out a good, a good old clap. I clapped for it. I would clap for it right now, but I'm holding the microphone in my right hand, and if I were to clap, it would just... It would just sound like this. You know what I mean? And that just peaked. I just watched that peak on the audio recorder. But you knew that because you were listening. And I'm probably going to do some sort of post-processing to this audio to make it uh, sound a little bit nicer. To, you know, compress it. Maybe get rid of that peak. Uh, maybe I'll add another one in so I can see what happens later. Let's see. Clap. Wow. That actually, that peaked immediately. There's a little red light on my audio recorder that, like, flashes whenever I'm too loud. And I love it. I love it because when I'm recording Scooby Duo, you you can tell there's a lot of screaming. There's a lot of screaming in that podcast because it's about two uh, couple of idiots talking about Scooby Doo. But for a podcast like this, where I'm talking relatively low in my basement, uh, you would think I wouldn't have to peek the microphone at any point. But I am Danny, and this is my podcast, and I am a loud boy. So episode one, I've already peeked the microphone twice. Now. Yeah, I mean, I let out a big old clap. I went, ha-ha, on good days when I haven't watched this movie in a long time. I'll let out like a cheer, like an audible cheer. <laughs> but, uh, I've, you know, I, I wonder how uh, long my enthusiasm will last for this uh, scene, which is near the end of the film over the course of the next month. We will see. This is, this is kind of a setup episode. I don't know how long this episode is going to be. Because I've made the foolish choice of instead of pausing the recording when I had to stop, I hit the stop. So the timer reset. So I'm thinking I'm near on the round in the end of the episode now. I'm thinking it's maybe around a half hour. So if you want to hear more of this podcast, go to anchor.fm slash dead by Danny. I'm going to try to get that URL. I'm saying that right now, but I haven't actually done it yet. So I probably shouldn't have just said that. You know what I mean? You can follow me on Instagram at dcr.films. I might make an Instagram for this page. It is inconclusive. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this has been fun. I'm looking forward to seeing how this project comes to fruition. And for that reason, I want to say have a groovy quarantine to all of you. Have a groovy day. Have a groovy week. If If you come away with anything from this podcast is that I want you to go out and tell your friends to come get some and uh, 
uh, swallow this podcast whole. I uh, just wanted to fit a bunch of references in there. Anyway, have a great day, guys. Goodbye. <laughs>